Welcome to the Davy Tree Expert Company's podcast, Talking Trees. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Each episode showcases one of Davy's certified arborists sharing advice with everyone about caring for your trees and landscapes. We'll talk about everything from introduced pests, seasonal tree care, deer damage, how to make your trees thrive, and much, much more. Tune in every Thursday to learn more because here at the Talking Trees podcast, we know trees are the answer. We've got a special show for you today, that's for sure. We all know the Rolling Stones, but did you know their keyboardist and musical director, Chuck Lavelle, is also a tree steward himself? Chuck has written three books about trees, manages a tree farm in Georgia, and is an environmentalist focused on sustainable forestry. While the Stones tour the U.S., he sat down for an interview about his love of trees and his passion for spreading the word about growing them the right way. It's all chronicled in the documentary film, Chuck Lavelle, The Tree Man. Chuck, welcome to the show. Let's get right to it. How did you find your way to forestry? Well, back in 1981, Rose Lane's grandmother passed away, leaving her a nice, sizable piece of land, about a 1,000 acres, uh, which was a diversified farm. It had row crops, it had uh, some cattle on it, and it did also have some forestry components. Um, We had to think about what we were going to do with this land. We knew it was family land. We certainly didn't want to sell it. Um, This was back in the early 80s, and the estate tax situation was much different than it is today. Uh, The exemption was something like $300,000, and so we were saddled with a huge bill from the IRS for estate taxes. It actually caused uh, Rose Lane and her brother Alton to sell some property that they had inherited from their father to make the initial payment to the IRS. And then we had a 15-year schedule of payments uh, to, <clears throat> to finish the rest of the money that was owed for the estate taxes. So I like to say that we didn't inherit anything um, the U.S. government and the IRS inherited our land, and they gave us the opportunity to buy it back from them, <laughs> which is pretty much the way it was. It's much different now. We don't have such a challenge uh, with the exemption <clears throat> being what it is. I think it's something like $10 million now before you have to pay anything in estate taxes. So as we pondered what to do, of course, I wanted to follow my career in music, Uh, and it looked like row cropping and cattle farming and some of the other things we looked at, like peach trees or pecan trees or uh, nursery stock, would be a whole lot of day-to-day requirement. And then we thought about forestry. You know, first of all, there was a personal connection for me. Where does that instrument that's given me such joy and such a great career come from? And, of course, it comes from the resource of wood, as does most musical instruments. So there was kind of a personal feeling of, you know, if I could uh, plant trees and take care of them, um, you know, they do so many good things. Now, I'm not going to use pine trees to make a piano or a guitar, but uh, nevertheless, uh, many good things are made from pine trees, such as materials to make books and magazines and newspapers and 
materials to uh, build our homes, schools, churches, and of course they clean our air, they clean our water, provide home and shelter to all manner of wildlife. Uh, so it just seemed like the right thing to do. And also because it was long term, it wouldn't require so much day to day, that made sense for us. So we moved forward with that. We started managing the forest uh, that did exist on the acreage, and then we began to uh, plant trees and open fields, and uh, I began to study forestry and learn as much as I could about it, and I still consider myself a student of forestry. So between what I made as a musician and what we received from the proceeds of the sale of the land that uh, Alton, my brother-in-law, and Rose Lane sold, and then uh, also using some timber harvest uh, funds, we finally paid off the IRS and were able to move forward. You know, before you started working on Charlene, converting the property, did you feel a connection to the woods or did it come later? Well, as I mentioned, there was a personal connection concerning music and wood. But <clears throat> as I learned more and more about forestry, uh, there were so many other connections. You know, I like to quote uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson who said, in the woods we return to reason and faith. And that means a lot to me. You know, in the crazy world of rock and roll, you need something to balance it. <clears throat> and for me, the work I do in forestry is that balance. And also just taking a walk in the woods and enjoying it uh, aesthetically provides an incredible balance for me. So those are the personal connections that I have. What was the genesis of Chuck Lavelle, the Tree Man documentary? Well, I really, my motivation was simply to have a document for future generations of our family. We have four grandchildren now, and, you know, I can see in the future maybe some great-grandchildren, and <clears throat> I wanted them to have some type of document, not just of me as a musician, but uh, as our, our family and, and the story, the love story that Rose Lane and I have together uh, and the work in the environmental arena. So that was my motivation. Um, I was so proud of the way it turned out. Our filmmaker, Alan Forrest, just did a, a wonderful job of weaving those three themes together, the music, the conservation, and the love story. And uh, so now I'm very proud to have that. But of course, it doesn't hurt that it also tells my story to the public and uh, hopefully lets people that have heard songs that I've played on or seen me live and in concert uh, know a little bit more about my career and, and what I've been uh, doing for the last 50 years. You know, I couldn't help but notice the beautiful raised bed vegetable garden at Charlene featured in the film. Is that a Rose Lane thing or something you enjoy too? Well, Rose Lane is definitely more the gardener than I am, but I do love going out there and helping every now and then. And we also have staff at Charlene that uh, help with the garden. But as you know, Doug, and, and as your listeners know, there's just such joy that you get out of putting that seed in the ground and uh, you know, looking after it, watering it, nurturing it as it grows, and then seeing those vegetables uh, come to be, and then taking them and putting them in the kitchen and 
rinsing them off and and uh, enjoying fresh tomatoes or cucumbers or carrots or celery or whatever it may be. Um, but it's really mostly Rose Lane that looks after our garden. Also in the film, you talk about Paris as not only the city of lights, but the city of trees. And they let you drive a boat through Paris? Yes, that was an incredible segment. It really was. Uh, our filmmaker, Alan, arranged for that boat trip. And uh, it really was so, so special. I can't tell you. It was a beautiful evening, uh, late afternoon into evening. And uh, it was a really cool little boat. And uh, it was a very romantic setting. You're in Paris, for heaven's sake. Doesn't get much more romantic than that um, up and down the Seine River. And, um, yeah, not many people knew that about Paris, that every tree in Paris is documented. Uh, so they have an incredible urban forest in Paris, and I think it uh, stands as a model that many other cities could follow. When did you realize not only that sustainable forestry was so important, but that spreading the word about this type of work was equally as critical? Well, once we made the decision to uh, primarily focus on forestry at Charlene, then it began a process of studying and educating myself and ourselves, Roselane, of course, uh, involved as well. And, you know, I went to government sources, uh, the NRCS, uh, which I think back then was called the Conservation Service or something, but they had great pamphlets and information and I <clears throat> went to the library and checked out books on forestry and land use. I went to meetings and seminars uh, that were put on by forest organizations. Uh, and I just I tried to talk to other people that were doing this, talk to foresters, and just educate myself as best I could <clears throat> on the process of managing forest land. Um, I still consider myself a student of forestry. You know, I've always wished I could take enough time off uh, to go take some dendrology courses and learn more about tree identification and such. But, um, you know, I guess it was somewhere along the mid-80s that I realized it was beyond just the work itself, but the advocacy that was important <clears throat> to let other people know how important trees and forests are in so many different ways. Uh, so that brought the first book of, called Forever Green, The History and Hope of the American Forest. After that, I realized the importance of educating young people about these issues, and that's when the children's book, The Tree Farmer, came to be. Uh, later on, <clears throat> I started thinking about the challenges we have with the population of our own country and population of the world and the pressure on our natural resources. And um, that's when I came up with growing a better America, smart, strong, and sustainable. So uh, I enjoy the advocacy. I enjoy giving speeches from time to time to various groups. I enjoy going to schools and, and interacting with uh, young people on these subjects. And, uh, you know, I think music gives me a little bit of an interesting platform uh, to, <clears throat> to make these outreach efforts. How do you think people concerned about the environment can make a difference, or can they? Well, of course. I mean, <clears throat> I always tell people, first thing, 
Go plant a tree. It'll make you feel good. It's easy to do. Uh, you get to watch it grow. Plant a lot of trees. Plant trees in your yard. Plant trees in your neighborhood. Plant trees in parks, uh, at your children's schools. Um, but, you know, beyond that, of course, you can get involved with uh, organizations that are doing their best. Uh, you have to be careful. You want to make sure that if you're contributing money, that the money is actually going for the effort and not just to administrative costs, and that requires a little digging, okay? Again, planting a tree is a very good feeling. What do you hope that people will get out of watching The Tree Man, and how can people see the documentary? Well, again, I think, you know, the the impetus for me was just to have a document for my family, and, and I guess also for a, a clip of a period of time, you know, I guess we're looking mostly at the 70s through the present day in this documentary. But I think it is a very interesting period of time, and hopefully it serves that purpose as well. Um, And as far as how people can see it, at present it is available on most all streaming services, and that includes Apple TV, uh, Amazon Prime, uh, Hulu, to be all of those services with the exception of Netflix. We are not on Netflix yet. We may be in the future, but right now it's all the other ones. It's very easy to find if you just Google Chuck Lavelle, the tree man, it pops up all over the place. It's also available in hard copy form on Amazon or on my website, chucklavelle.com. Uh, it's available in Blu-ray and in DVD, so there's all kinds of options for people to, to view it, and I hope they will. I hope they will too, Chuck. It's truly a wonderful documentary. Always great to talk with you. Now tune in every Thursday to the Talking Trees podcast from the Davy Tree Expert Company. I'm your host, Doug Oster, and do me a favor, subscribe to the podcast. We're having fun here. Heck, we had somebody from the Rolling Stones on. Next week, Chelsea Abbott returns to the show to tell us about healing gardens, which are very popular right now, and you can find out how to create your own healing garden, too. As always, we like to remind you on the Talking Trees podcast, trees are the answer.